Shots fired. The Florida Gators are aiming at Columbus, Ohio and trying to flip an Ohio State commit. We're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining me now for Locked On Gators is John Garcia, Locked On's recruiting insider. And before we get into 2024 talk, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to. Faster post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. And John, we've done it again. I think we're at eight weeks in a row now. Uh, so so we're still we're still doing it. We're still keeping the streak alive. Um, it's like when Florida beat Kentucky for like 30 years in a row. It's like, it was awesome. Um, and then they've lost a lot in a row. So I was going to say, I'm not updating that. That's true. Yeah. We're, 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 we're still stuck a few years in the past. Um, but there's one player that I wanted to start on today because it, it's Jeremiah Smith, who we'll talk about his recruitment in a minute. But before we even get into that, just what kind of player is he? I mean, just imagine a high school wide receiver being in consideration for the number one overall ranking in any recruiting cycle. That is, it just, it's rare, right? It doesn't happen very often to even be in the mix for the number one spot. And I think across the board, he's top five right now. And some have considered him for the number one spot. So I think that tells you a lot about both Jeremiah's floor and his ceiling. But when you look at where he is today, Brandon, you're talking 6'2", 6'3", 185 pounds with this great combination of polish and route running, but with the catch radius and hands of a college or Sunday guy right now. I mean, this is a, a ball-dominant player who can get open with separation rather easily, and he's great after the catch on top of it, but the contested catches are, are very much not 50-50 with Jeremiah Smith. So he really can fit in any system, line up anywhere and execute at a pretty high level. So he's uh, really, you know, I, I think unanimously uh, the number one receiver in this class. He fits that classic profile of a wide receiver one from a height, weight, length, speed perspective. And he's only polishing up, getting more physical, getting more filled out in the meantime. So when you think of his ceiling and you go down the line, it's kind of unlimited. You know, he profiles like one of these you know, head turning NFL guys that, you know, every time you look up, they've got, you know, 120 yards and, and eight catches. I mean, he's that type of player who's built like a classic receiver one of yesteryear, but with the traits of a more modern all around balanced wide out that can do damage no matter when he touches the ball. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense as to why Florida is pushing for him then. And, and he's one of the highest ranked kids for the 2024 class, but one slight issue. He is an Ohio State commit right he now. Is. And Brian Hartline is now the offensive coordinator of Ohio State, but he was a wide receiver coach before. And sorry, Gators fans. Sorry, Coach Colbert. Uh, Brian Hartline is the best wide receiver coach on the planet at any level, which then leads me to asking, how does Florida even go about trying to get him to flip from Ohio State to Florida? We know that DJ Lagway has been very active on social media pursuing him, but is that the pitch? Because 
you, you just go, hey, well, we've got DJ Lagway. So th- that's the guy that's going to be throwing you the football right here. Or is it you're a Florida kid? St- stay home with our QB. Like, how do you get a kid to go, you know, the best place that produces wide receivers and has the best wide receiver coach? Yeah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Look, you got to start somewhere. And I think all those things you mentioned are starting points for Florida. Um, and look, if you go the lagway route, hey, Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback verbally committed in the 24 class. So one to one, Florida's got a pretty big advantage there with the top five guy and a vocal recruiter and leader already on board. But really, it's about the consistency, um, which is really the unsung hero in recruiting, which schools are in early, which schools stay in it, even through the ebbs and flows of the process. And even after, in this case, a verbal commitment has been made And Florida. I mean, according to Jeremiah, has actually increased its communication with him since that Ohio State commitment went down. And that's something that he's going to reciprocate with visits. I believe he's going to take one in the month of March. And there's talks about maybe an official visit up to Gainesville. So uh, I think that is obviously all positive for Florida's chances of, of making this flip. Now, that said, Jeremiah is saying all the right things about Ohio State. Look, it's, it's long been the school I've wanted to commit to. He actually wanted to commit earlier than he already did. Uh, this has been his school for quite some time, but time is really on everyone else's side, right? It's it's February, right? You've got a long way to go, 10 months until that early signing day. So in those 10 months, you can't imagine many schools pushing harder than the Florida Gators for Jeremiah Smith. So you got to keep chipping away, get him on campus. Um, and as long as he has that door open, continue trying to get him on campus while you also throw in all that other stuff. You mentioned DJ Lagway, the entirety of, of the Gator staff, probably not just the offensive coaches, but everybody getting involved to keep the, the state of Florida's number one recruit in the state of Florida, which I don't have it in front of me, but it doesn't happen every cycle. And I know it didn't happen the last few. So that's that alone is, is its own pursuit. But when it's, you know, when it's a receiver that everybody can can see as to why he's valued and coveted so highly, it, it hits a little bit harder. No disrespect to, you know, an offensive lineman or someone else that's more workmanlike. This is very easy to see elite five star, whatever you want to throw on top of him. So it brings more cachet if you know you can win this type of recruitment. So you got to stay in the hunt. And Florida's done as a good a job as anybody at staying in the mix despite this you know, daunting looking Ohio State verbal commitment. Because like you said, Brian Hartline's done as good or better job than than any wide receiver coach out there from a talent acquisition and developmental perspective. Uh, and now he's the OC, right? So even more reason for those guys to trust and buy into his plans for, for their football futures. But as long as Jeremiah keeps that door open, which he is from a visit perspective, you got a puncher's chance and so you got to keep pushing from there. How much of an advantage is it for Florida? And I use advantage very loosely, but how much of an advantage is it for Florida where he is a Florida kid? Jeremiah Smith is from Florida. So when they want to get him on campus, whether it's officials or unofficials, it's relatively easy to do. Whereas the place that he's committed to is very far away at this point, opposite pole of the country. We'll say, uh, so how is that an advantage really where you can just go, okay, yeah, just keep coming on, just keep coming on instead of having to, you know, travel however long it takes to even get to Columbus? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in simple terms, 
you're driving to one and flying to the other. So naturally, yeah, you always have an advantage when you're drivable. And that's probably the edge of a lot of folks' uh, limit of patience from a driving perspective. But hey, you know, you're in Broward County, hit the turnpike, catch 75, and you're in Gainesville in a handful of hours. That's a very stark difference to going to Columbus, where even flying might take you just as long. So yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, especially in the short term. When you're talking about spring visits, casual game visits or, or stuff that that can be planned last minute, you have more room for that uh, in state. So your Florida's, your Miami's, your FSU's, anyone else trying to court Jeremiah is going to have a bit of an advantage from a logistical and geographical sense, um, especially when you talk about spur of the moment stuff. Uh, hey, I play, he plays at Chaminade, right? One of the best high schools in the country where guess what? There are other Gator targets. There are other Seminole targets, other hurricane targets. So what that means Maybe your teammates just heading up for the weekend or heading up for a game and you just want to catch a ride. You can do things like that when you're closer to home. And there's obviously a ton of value in that uh, geographically as, as an in-state school here. So, you know, it's part of the pitch. You know, it matters. Um, you know, there's a lot of pride in the Sunshine State from, from, from every level, from a football perspective. And it does come up because on the flip side, those top Floridians leaving is such a trend. I mean, Offensively, defensively, every position, even though we've seen collectively the recruiting increase, the recruiting prowess increase for, for Florida, Florida State, and Miami, I would say all together in the last few years, your Georgias, your Ohio States, your Clemsons, your Bamas, your Texas A&Ms are still USCs are coming in and having relatively consistent success. So until that stuff changes, that pride is, is going to be kind of at a fever pitch or a tipping point. So I do think it's it's going to take one of these big fish like a Jeremiah Smith to start to push back against that trend. And Florida, I'm not telling you how to do your job, but I'm just saying if I'm you, I'm going, hey, Brian Hartline's OC now. He can't spend as much time with receivers, so he's not going to spend as much time with you. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just trying to help you do your job. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because if you like making money, you can do that. Wednesday night, I hit a sweet plus 1118 parlay. Josh Hart over 9.5 points. He had 13. Quentin Grimes over 2.5 rebounds. He had 3. Mikhail Bridges over 17.5 points. He had 45. And Michael Porter Jr. over 2.5 threes. He had 5. That baby cashed in the first half, which are the best. New customers get a snow sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 worth of bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win so don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet of up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more flipping to someone who is committed to florida right now and isn't even well is being pursued but you know what i mean but has has a landing spot right now miles graham linebacker just got his fifth star with rivals and they're the first place to give him that or the first place that does rankings to give him that fifth star. How high is this ceiling for miles Graham before let's say signing day? Yeah. He'll have a chance to be, you know, arguably the top off ball backer in the class. I think it's so easy to see right now. Um, ferocious player at six, one, two uh, fun tape. He's one of those, you know, you don't have to be, uh, savvy uh, with the X's and O's to enjoy watching Miles Graham. 
He's an attacker. He comes downhill with a force very comfortable at or near the line of scrimmage. The instincts, the physicality, the explosiveness at the contact point are all pluses. He can run sideline to sideline, play in space. We'll probably need to see a little bit more from a coverage perspective, but the natural athleticism is there in his athletic profile to eventually add uh, some some more coverage prowess to his arsenal. But when you're so good coming downhill, I don't blame the high school coaches for saying, hey, go get the quarterback, go make TFLs, go make sacks, whatever it is. And then when you start to expand and really dig into the evaluation, look, his dad was one of Florida's best running backs of all time. And Miles plays it pretty darn well too. So I love that two-way ability. Some of the best young linebackers in college football have that classic running back background on top of it. Uh, think of a Harold Perkins for LSU last year, burst onto the scene as a true freshman. This time last year, we were asking, is Harold Perkins going to be a running back or linebacker to a degree at the collegiate level? You could start to flirt with that question with Miles Graham too. So I think that always allows for more upside when you do focus on one of the two positions because you know the antithesis of it so very well. So I'm not counting that out uh, for Graham. So I, I think you see why he's valued and the floor is high, but from a ceiling perspective, focusing on one position, rounding out his coverage skills on that 6-1-2-15 frame can allow him to potentially push even further uh, up the ranks, although he's, again, pretty darn high right now. Yeah, uh, Miles Graham or – Miles Jack, maybe that's another another one. I mean, he was getting asked that question on on Saturdays and Sundays, not just Fridays. So yeah, that that's the mold that we're we're seeing very consistently, and it goes the other way too. A lot of these great running backs were really good linebackers uh, at the high school level uh, as well. So um, fascinating, you know, development at that position, and one because of the blitzing and pass rushing ability or third down ability in general. It's becoming more important uh, from a, a roster management standpoint. You can't just take those guys off the field for a DB anymore. They've got to be able to contribute and grand profiles as that modern day type player. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if he ends up not improving coverage ability, he can just be like Devin White, who sucks in coverage anyway and can blitz like crazy. So he could just do that. But um, five star. Yes. Yeah. Across the board. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've talked about him, about Miles Graham rising up the board a little bit. But at this point, it's middle of February. He hasn't played football in months. What can even make a player rise up the board right now when there, there's no new information really coming out about him? I think a couple things. I mean, every network is different. I've worked at three of them. Uh, everybody's timeline is different. Um, so just because the junior tape is wrapped up in November or December, really at the latest, doesn't mean it is digested by a network at that time. Well, obviously when we get to December, it's all hands on deck for that current recruiting cycle. So in this case, 2023, and then when you start to turn the page to 24, maybe you have more time to take that extended look at Miles Graham and maybe watch his offensive stuff, maybe watch some of his off, off the field stuff um, and, and kind of dig into it more because now you're seeing basketball on track and these other sports wrestling that go down that help us kind of with that, that full scale, evaluation. So I think the timing of it um, varies by company, but yeah, you don't always get to dig into it at the moment that we see it happening uh, from a Friday night's perspective. So I, I give, give them the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And sometimes the cases change, right? I mean, you, you feel good about where a kid is ranked on your network. And when you reevaluate it, you start to look in the margins here and say, 
is this a kid worth gambling on, right? Because all of this is, is a risk to a degree. Do you start to create a narrative where there is more benefit of, of the doubt? And when you're an NFL and, and SEC legacy like he is, you got the multi-positional multi background, um, and we're seeing a true progression on Friday nights, those are the kind of players that can get more benefit of the doubt, even without a new sample presented publicly. And flipping back to people who are not yet committed, but hopefully will be committed to the Florida Gators sooner rather than later. Uh, we're going to start with Charles Lester the third. Just, just what kind of player is he, uh, and and does his play match the awesome name? Because I am always going to be like, hey, I love the Roman numeral names. So yes, yes. does does it match? Yeah, CL three. I don't know if that's his nickname, but it probably will be at some point. Uh, yeah, it matches. There's there's a lot to like about Charles Lester. Another one who, like Graham, in the last 12 months, you've seen it kind of come together. The the, the length, the athleticism were, were always there with Lester as a DB or receiver, another two-way guy here, a great returner as well. But the light bulb really went off seemingly as a junior from a cornerbacking perspective. And obviously, when you talk about premium positions, I mean, that's as, as premium as it gets. So when you create more benefit of the doubt at that position, you're going to fly up the rankings. And that's what we've seen from Charles Lester. He's only backed it up uh, his junior year and after. I mean, he's, ro he's rolling with SFE, South Florida Express on the seven on seven circuit, and it's been locked down. They've already won a couple championships, a couple tournaments, and, and he's won a whole bunch of 50 50 balls uh, that are, are some for some reason still headed his way on on the weekends uh but lester just brings that total package uh, he's comfortable at the line of scrimmage very comfortable playing off the ball when the ball's in the air those receiver skills uh lock in uh he's got great length great instincts and he's filled out a little bit more too so i think he's more physically well built than most corners we talk about as as juniors in high school probably about six foot 185 pounds but solid uh, even though he could still add weight to that frame so there's just a lot to love about the natural and raw ability of Lester, but now we're starting to see some progression from a technical perspective. So if he continues on that trajectory, I mean, he'll be in the running for top DB in the class, not just top corner or, or top athlete, wherever he's listed at from the state of Florida. Yeah. Uh, and he's released a top five already. He released it on new year's a day. And as fun as it is to be, on the list florida is not the top of the list because of course he said florida state is uh where his heart is which is cool but i want to know where your talent is so he's got florida state florida alabama ohio state georgia another one of those things where you yep. say it's a regional battle plus ohio state um and and they continue to do that thorn in the side but how is his recruitment playing out so far and how do you think it's going to continue to go about yeah this is a this is a classic dbu type of battle right everybody making a stake at that claim uh has a shot for charles lester i think you said you know fsu's trending and, and is where his heart is today but there's also no end uh in sight for this recruitment right he's setting up additional visits uh, i think ohio state has the first official visit that's set for mid-june so does it become a scenario where that's the first trip and he takes the visits all the way into the fall? Or do you get them all done in the offseason and try to make a decision in that popular pre-fall camp, July, August window? We're not sure yet on that front, but right now only one OV set and it's up to Ohio State. But look, well-traveled kid, 
He's been on the radar for a long, a long time, kind of like Cormani McLean. He's not just figuring this thing out as an upperclassman. Um, and he's frequented a lot of these places, including Gainesville. Uh, and again, I will say it every time, the cornerback projections involved with Corey Raymond, you got to like where Florida stands in general. And the fact that while FSU has trended, he's still not off the board, he's still not committed, and he's still not even committing to a timeline is good news for everyone else in that race. And just like with Jeremiah Smith, if you're among the best at your position nationally, it wouldn't even matter if you were verbally committed to one of the other schools that the rest of the four or five are going to stay in the mix. Uh, and even beyond that top five, we've seen schools try to make a play. Clemson was outside of the top five, still got him on campus a couple weeks ago. He liked the trip. Will Clemson start to become more of a player in this recruitment? I get the sense that his initial top five is probably the group that we should focus on moving forward. And, and Florida is right in the thick of it and probably the closest to home if you think of it from, from Sarasota Riverview, where he plays ball, it's right up 75. So a little bit closer to home for Florida. He's been there like five or six times already. I'm sure more Gator visits are ahead uh, for Lester, uh, just like they are probably for Florida State uh, as well. Um, but everywhere else, you got to plan it out a little bit more strategically. So that's why Ohio State's got the OB set. So now curious, of course, to see who else gets those trips? Is it just going to be as simple as my top five will get five officials and we'll make a decision? Or does this thing become one of these classic state of Florida recruitments where not only is it long, but it's got a lot of twists and turns uh, along the way? I could see it going either way for Lester. Yeah, and the last player that we're going to talk about today is not in the state of Florida. He's not even close to the state of Florida. <laughs> it's Elijah Rushing, who we've talked about, players among the top, wide receivers, DBs, linebackers, and now we're talking about the edge. So Elijah Rushing, just what kind of player is he in general? Like, like what is Florida maybe getting? Yeah, this is an intriguing pass rusher, right? We talk a lot about modern frames. How 6'6", 240, right? I mean, that is an elite frame, and he can run at his size. It's really unique uh, to see him on Friday nights. It's part of the reason why he's another one of these ascending recruits. The more you watch him, the more you like them. And look, you don't have to look far to find out how important pass rushing is uh, in the sport of football. It's a pass first game. So naturally, that's how you combat it. Um, he's got the frame and he's got the game, too. I mean, I really like his approach off the edge, probably could work inside more. And as his frame fills out, I think he naturally will be one of these inside out types, uh, kind of like we talked about with uh, Kelby Collins uh, to bring it back to 23. But but he's longer. Uh, and he's a little bit more comfortable right now on the outside, but he's really productive there as well. He can still beat tackles with speed, even though he's a bigger edge rusher. But the technique where he's worked on his lower body and his hands have, have really come a long way. I really like when he works underneath with those counter moves. Um, and when you have that kind of almost an offensive tackle frame, that extension that is always a detriment to edge guys, it doesn't apply here with rushing. So I, I do think that he's got this overall skill set that can work up and down a defensive line. So he's one that a lot of folks are willing to bet on from a recruiting perspective because he's got the frame today. And even as he improves upon it, it's only going to enhance some of the things that, that make him one of the more productive players in the country. Yeah. And so Elijah Rushing's brother, Cruz Rushing, was a walk-on at Florida last season. And then he transferred out to the Arizona Cardinals Cardinals, Arizona Wildcats. Um, he, he, yeah, he's not that good yet, but he's been to the Arizona Wildcats. Um, 
And that prompted Gators fans to then, well, some Gators fans to then do what some Gators fans like to do and just sky is falling it. And they said, well, that means Elijah will not come to Gainesville. Do you think that his brother leaving Gainesville makes a significant impact on a recruitment that was already national? I think it's that part, right? Um, all that, all the Florida to Arizona stuff is is done. Uh, it's already happened. If there was some type of inclination that because of that or because of whatever the reasoning was with Cruz that now Florida isn't under consideration and there's no more visits or anything like that, fine. Yeah, you absolutely take take a loss and you move on. But it's not really the case. In fact, I would say in the industry, there's a sense that, you know, if he's going to leave that that Pac-12 footprint, Florida's maybe in the best positioning relative to Notre Dame and some of these other schools that are involved here. So that's a pretty big deal in and of itself. Again, you mentioned the family ties. He's already been to Gainesville a couple of times, very familiar uh, with that offer, with with that campus and, and what ha- what has to be offered in Gainesville. So I don't think that pitch changes very much. Um, and again, if if his older brother was a scholarship guy, starter, all SEC type of player who then transfers, maybe you'll see a little bit more of a direct impact, in my opinion. But the age difference combined with the fact that, look, Elijah's like a top 20 player in this class. So his recruitment is hotly contested well beyond the Gators and the Wildcats, no disrespect to those programs. So I do think it's just a different scenario to navigate through. He'll be coveted in his own right. Um, and, and we see that a bunch, right? Jaden Rashada went through that last year where his older brother was in the portal and it was kind of a limited, sorry for saying it, kind of a limited window, but it didn't correlate, it didn't overlap with what Jaden was going to do just to provide a recent example. So I think this is probably the case with the rushings as well. Elijah's handling his recruitment as its own thing. Um, doesn't, doesn't hurt Arizona's chances. I don't want to make it seem like it does, but this is a national recruit who's been very busy with visits. He's very busy setting up more visits again within that PAC 12 footprint. So let's see where his recruitment goes at that point. Maybe it accelerates and he, he looks at a summer decision, but I, I think either way, Florida's got a great chance to stay right in the thick of this race and ultimately win uh, this recruitment, right? It, it's really the only SEC school that at least as of mid-February appears to have that type of traction. And when you're a pass rusher, you're a D lineman, talking SEC football, that stuff hits different, especially when you do have that familiarity, which he does have. So I wouldn't count out the Gators despite uh, some of those family connections making making their own moves, let's say. Awesome. Thank you, John. This is John Garcia, Lockdown's Recruiting Insider. Catch him all throughout the Lockdown channel and Lockdown Gators every single week. Thank you, John. Thank you.